in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in to a, another episode of the Sports Hour. So good to be here with you live on this Tuesday night. If you are joining us on YouTube or on X. Uh, we appreciate you joining live. If you're listening to the podcast in the future, uh, hello. Thanks for tuning in. It's episode 178. Uh, we are fully into the college football and NFL seasons, Mitch. And so we are, it, it almost feels good to be in the normal grind of things. We have a regular ass Football season podcast for you. Campus tour, NFL week recap, quick picks, a little bit of news, a little bit of other segments in there. But uh, this is what we do best. I'm excited to be here to do it with you, my friend. Uh, first off, Mitch, love the hat. Hat's looking great. How are you doing tonight? I am. Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Football, football, lots of football. I'm excited. Um, no, I'm fantastic. Uh, I. It was yeah, good little week off there, Dallin. You went and enjoyed yourself uh, south of the border, yes. playing a little, playing a little golf down there in yeah. Mexico. Do you know what they call golf in Spanish, Mitch? What do you know what they call golf in Mexico when you go down there? I believe it is a golf. Yeah, it's called golf. Turns out it's the same <laughs> thing, uh, and I still suck at it. So that, <laughs> no, it was a great time. Enjoyed some sun uh, down in uh, down in Mexico. Good to be here, though. Good to, to be good here. to be be here on this podcast tonight with you. Uh, and again, if you if you don't join us, we are live on Tuesdays throughout the NFL season. Uh, so you want to come join us live, be a part of the show. Uh, it's youtube.com slash the sports hour guys, or you can follow us on X, formerly Twitter at sports hour guys. Uh, join us live and uh, comment, share your thoughts as we go. We love to hear from you. So uh, if you don't already, invite you to do that. But uh, Mitch, yeah, as I said, jam-packed show today. Pretty much uh, the normal stuff we got going on tonight. Yeah, lots and lots of stuff. Um, we're going to have the campus tour. We're going to have some you know, some segments thrown there in there in the middle. We got our week three week cap of the NFL, and then we're going to round it off like we always do during the NFL season with our quick picks. But Dallin, a little bit of news we got to get into first. So let's start this thing off with the little bit of news. And um, it's no shock here, football related. Um, Usher, it has been announced that Usher is going to headline the Super Bowl 58 halftime show uh, this year um dallin you're the hip-hop guy <laughs> happy usher's doing it has it grown on you a little bit um what what is your uh what was your initial reaction to the announcement of usher being our 
halftime entertainment this coming Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, we love the halftime show and we talk about it, I feel like, quite a bit on this podcast. You know, we talked about the Rihanna halftime quite a bit. We were big fans of the Snoop Dogg Dre halftime show a couple years ago in L.A. Super Bowls in Vegas and uh, the NFL uh, brings in Usher. And and listen, I think at first maybe I was a little surprised, not the name that you think of uh, right off the uh, right off the bat. But uh, this is interesting. About a month ago, my wife and I were discussing this. And uh, like about who, what sort of artist they would try to peg for the halftime show, because you don't get the hot at the moment acts in the halftime no. show, right? It's, it's always like a decade or so past that real prime that they have, that they sort of get that invite <laughs> almost as a legacy thing in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, I think that works pretty well. So as we looked at like the Rihanna era of music, my wife and I started like trying to name and think of what other artists in that era you know would, would they potentially look at and i think we talked about usher maybe a little bit but that was never a name that we thought oh yeah for sure they you know usher will will get a call but uh it is growing on me it is music that you and i grew up listening to mm -hmm. and so they're hitting that millennial audience just like they did with rihanna and i think that will work well uh, and Usher has got some songs with collaborators. That means that he can bring in people like Alicia Keys, uh, like uh, Ludacris, uh, you know, like other, you know, Little John and, and, and make it a little more of an interesting show. Uh, so I do think Usher will be good. I, I'm, I, it has grown on me a bit. What about you? Yeah, I wasn't too super thrilled because I was, I, I don't know. I, I guess my mind went to the hot acts of right now. Sure. And. Honestly, we've had so much R&B and hip hop over the last few years that I was like anticipating something a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of stayed with that and and they went with Usher. And so I was like, nah, you know, there's a lot of other acts maybe that would have fit the bill for a Super Bowl halftime show uh, that I think would have been outstanding gets if they could get them. Um, but as you and I talked about it before the, before the podcast, it, it did grow on me a little bit, the possibilities of what could happen with Usher on stage. So I think it's a great, I think it's a great fit. I think that, uh, uh, Usher is going to be a, he's a fantastic performer. And I think that putting him on the world's biggest stage, a Super Bowl halftime, that that's going to be a, a, a it's going to feel like home to him. It's going to be, yeah. Yeah, I would expect for him to put on a good show at the very least. I think Michael comments here, and I agree with you. He says, if it's only Usher, I'm going to be disappointed. I'd agree with you. Uh, I think Rihanna had enough star power last year. And Mitch and I talked about on that pre-Super Bowl episode, you know, the idea of collaborators for Rihanna. Would they bring out Jay-Z or Drake or some of these other artists they, that she'd work with, with? And they didn't. And it was just Rihanna. And I think she held it down uh fine but i agree with you i would be disappointed if it was only usher i hope that oh, they yeah. bring in some other artists to to make it a little more interesting and you know i do think with the first super bowl in vegas that's kind of a big moment uh you know perhaps we need to you know kind of do it a little bigger i guess so we'll see what uh, they have in store oh you have to you have to i mean it's sin city baby it's the entertainment capital of america you have to you have to put on the big the big show for your first time in vegas and so um, hopefully they do that up a little bit nicer uh, with us. Yeah. Or so live tigers. Nobody gets eaten though. Uh, let's see. Like, yeah. what, what kind of Vegas elements? See, that's where I'm. Like, what kind of Vegas elements can we bring well, into they gotta in a have, classy way? You know, they gotta but, have the girls with the dresses and the big hair, the, the big the feathers. feathers. Yeah, they <laughs> the have giant those feathers. 
Yeah, the Vegas strip girls and uh, not the not the hookers, not the hookers. Not, not the not actual the strippers, right? No, 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 not You're the not actual suggesting strippers. strippers at the Super Bowl halftime show. No, no. That no, would bring no. in a whole different kind of audience that I just don't think the NFL's looking for. The uh the one of the pervy variety, I think, yeah. is what yeah, that would probably, turn in. Probably not ideal. No. Uh, but but yeah, I mean again, the Vegas thing, I think again, I think there's something there you know i i think i hope with the vegas element that uh that uh they do something there michael also has just want to say is taylor swift too big for the super bowl you never know if artists turn it down right we never know if artists say yeah i don't want to or it doesn't work with my schedule or whatnot is i'm sure the nfl would love taylor swift to do the super bowl especially considering all the news she's making around the nfl right now i can't uh, yeah. But uh, is she too big for it? I mean, maybe, maybe she's like a 10 years down the road. Then she gets her Super Bowl halftime. But great question, Michael, I guess. I don't know if you can be too big for the Super Bowl. I mean, that like we just said, yeah. that's the world's biggest stage. That's Not fair. only are you playing in the are you playing at the world's biggest sporting event or the uh, at least America's biggest sporting event. You're also playing in probably probably in front of the largest audience you ever will because of all the people tuning in at home. So oh, yeah. I don't know if there's any artist that's ever too big for the Super Bowl, in my yep. opinion, but I don't, I don't know. I, it's fair. Super Bowl doesn't also seem like Taylor Swift's deal right now. Uh, she's, yeah. she's, uh, she's got her own thing going on. She's so. already selling out NFL stadiums uh, <laughs> by herself. the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, yeah. Just, more on Taylor Swift later, more on Taylor Swift later. We'll leave it at that (laughs) down. Let's jump right in though, to some football talk here and let's get into the campus tour. Um, And let's start with a little bit of recap of what we saw in week four. Let's start in the pac 12 down. We're back to reality, right? (laughs) We, We have had the hype of Colorado and how great they are and how much promise there is in that program. Everything's pointing in the right direction. Um, but a little dose of reality handed to Coach Prime and his Buffaloes this week as they get taken down by the Oregon Ducks, the 10th-ranked Oregon Ducks, 42-6 uh, to six, um, in an absolute stomping. Uh, Shador Sanders actually looks like he's a human this last week um, with the 23-for-33 performance, 159 in the TUD. Um, the run game was almost non-existent for um, – for the Carl, for the uh, for the Buffs, um, obviously the the absence of Travis Hunter is hurting this team. But down was this more indicative of uh, just Colorado being kind of brought back down to reality? They're they're on cloud nine, ground by the ankles, and and dragging back down to where they're supposed to be. Um, or is this just a misstep? I guess in the Colorado, you know, in bu- the Buffalo season moving forward. Yeah, you know I. I think it's probably a mix of that, to be honest. I do think that uh, there was a lot of overinflation of Colorado and a lot of excitement, justifiably so, around Dion and this program and the talent they'd brought in. Uh, but we talked about this before. I, I I always felt like TCU was overrated. I didn't think they were a top 25 team at all. Clearly, uh, they right. haven't really proven to be a high-quality team. Nebraska's no good. Uh, and then this Colorado team survived in overtime against Colorado State, right? Those are the three games we saw from Dion's squad. So did we really know that much 
you know, how much should we have been convinced about how good they were in retrospect? We probably should have taken that with a bigger grain of salt, maybe than uh, clearly voters did in the AP poll and maybe the general college football uh, fan base. But I do think that Colorado is still a good team. I think they're a top half Pac-12 team, clearly. Uh, but they have some obvious flaws, and that's what happens when you were a one-year, one-win team a year ago. Right. As much talent as Dion can bring in, and as much as you can turn it over in one year, winning then a winning culture, it doesn't just happen overnight. It it doesn't. And this defense is still a problem. Uh, Oregon made them completely one-dimensional on offense. Uh, they stifled the run game completely. That's not a good. It's not a great offensive line in Colorado. It's a good one. So when you make them one-dimensional and you're forcing Shadur to step back, I mean, it's pretty easy to beat at that point. And so, yeah, I think that Colorado is still a good team. I think they're like could still win eight games this year. And listen, from going one win to eight wins would be incredible for Colorado. That's not a bad thing at all. But like, I don't think that they were or ever like they are or ever were a Pac-12 championship contender per se. Uh, and this this game prove that to us and now we can sort of accept Colorado for what they are which is a really fun team that's a lot better than maybe we expected and that's great I think this is a great example too of in the in the era of NIL deals programs still cannot be bought they have to be built yep. and yep. it takes time to build a house and Colorado's one that's they're building a pretty strong foundation but they still have a lot of work to do um I think another takeaway that I take away from this game is uh you know, and this is why I didn't buy into this hype is because I figured games like this were going to happen for Colorado. I think that a game like this for Shador Sanders, um, as far as Heisman hype goes, um, he, very detrimental to, I think, the Heisman hype for him. I mean, this this hurts him in that race. Um, so I, I think that that's another big takeaway. I take away from this is um, match that taking away takeaways. Um <laughs> I think it's the, the, this these types of games can't happen for Shador Sanders if he wants to be in that Heisman conversation. And you might get away with one. You certainly aren't going to get away with two. And so if he really wants to continue to be a part of that growing in that conversation, he can't have performances like he had yes, last week against Oregon. Yeah, the key for Shador and for this Colorado team, Mitch, is just to look much better next week against USC and it doesn't get any easier no, it doesn't. against USC, but uh, you have to look at least competent. You can't get, you, you, you can't lose that game uh, 42 to six. You know, you can't look as bad as you did. You were you, not going to beat USC and that's fine, but make it a competitive game. Stay within two touchdowns, prove that you can at least fight and you'll correct some of that narrative. That's now flipping on Colorado of, Oh, they were, you know, now it's all smoke and mirrors. They, they were all talk, no bite, you know, whatever. It's like, you, right. you've got to bounce back here for both Shador uh, and, and for this team and yeah, big test for them this week. So, yeah. Any big takeaways from Oregon? I mean, to me, they, they just look like a, they look like a playoff contender to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon's they, a very good team. Yeah. I think most impressive was, was their defense, Mitch, against a really good Colorado offense. I mean, yeah. they had seven sacks in this game, holding the buffs to just six points. If Colorado's defense is going to be this good this year in the Pac-12, then they're, they are legit playoff contenders, uh, you know, because USC doesn't have a very strong defense. Washington has the potential of a strong defense. We know Utah has a very strong defense in Oregon State, but if Oregon can merge with a, with a very high-level defense to complement the firepower, yeah, for sure. Uh, the Ducks were very impressive uh, on Saturday. 
Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Utah strong defense, let's move over to that Utah UCLA game. Um, big, big win, I think, for Utah. Uh, 14-7 over UCLA, a low-scoring affair. But Dallin, the defense showing out. I mean, they made Dante Moore have a hell of a night under center. Only 15 for 35, 234. The tud, and then the interception. Um, this Utah defense, man, it's legit. And it it's not flashy. It's just like running into a stone wall with this Utes defense. They just were incredibly impressive against UCLA. Yeah, Utah's got a very deep defense. They've only allowed 38 points this season, Mitch. That's four games. They've allowed 38 points, and they haven't played a cupcake schedule. They played Baylor. They played Florida. They've now played UCLA. I mean, they, you know, they, they've played three power five teams in that stretch. Uh, this defense has proven to be legit. Uh, they get by in this one. There's, we still haven't seen cam rising, uh, who was the, the backbone of this team. He's the quarterback. Uh, we still haven't seen him this season and they've been able to win these games without him with the backup quarterback and Nate Johnson. So, We'll see when Cam comes back. A big game against Oregon State this week. Perhaps we see him in Corvallis. But I'll tell you, the news, the the noise we're getting out of this is that they are very cautious uh, and very uh, slow to throw him back out there. So, again, they've gotten by without him so far. But if they test their luck one more week against Oregon State, can they muster another win without their star quarterback. I think it might be tough sledding, but impressive that they've been able to do all this again without uh, Cam Rising because he is uh, their offense. <laughs> he, he's a huge for their team. So 4-0 in that impressive win on Saturday against UCLA. Yes, absolutely. Very impressive win for the Utes. Um, let's go back into <laughs> the, our last our, our last uh, Pac-12, team, Pac-12 game that we're going to cover is Wazoo. Washington State University getting it done over Oregon State. Um, Got to find that game really quick. Um, but it, and a, and a, an important win, I think, for Washington State because they're easily overshadowed by, by UW. Um, definitely kind of playing little brother to UW um, as far as college football supremacy goes. But a huge win um, over an Oregon State team that a lot of people were high on. You and I were both high on them. We thought they were Pac-12 championship contenders. Losing to a team like Wazoo maybe kind of starts to shuffle them out of that conversation. Wazoo continues to look impressive through the first four weeks. Yeah, I think this was a big game for both these programs who are, I mean, in a stacked Pac-12 conference this year. Uh, nobody's really talking about Washington State at all. Uh, and Oregon State is sort of that dark horse Pac-12 conference champ, but they're clearly looked behind, you know, those top four schools. But uh, Wazoo, impressive in this win uh, against a ranked opponent. Uh, I, I think Wazoo is legit. I, I think this just proves how talented the Pac-12 is this year. And it, they continue to show how deep they are. Uh, and this is just another instance of that, of this Wazoo team that nobody was even really thinking about this year. Coming out, beating Oregon State 38-35. to Cam Ward's having a hell of a season. The quarterback formerly of uh, Houston Baptist at the FCS level, then uh, transferred up this, uh, this level, joined Washington State last year. Uh, but yeah, th- I think Washington State is actually legit. And maybe they're a dark horse Pac-12 champ. I just think this whole conference is really good, Mitch. And that's why I'm excited to see them play each other. Like, I want to see these matchups. I want to see how they actually play out, you know? Because there's so much there's so much talent in this conference this season. There's so many good teams. Uh, we'll see who, you know, survives the gauntlet, essentially. 
Yeah, I mean, it, there's going to be a lot of teams with winning records. I think in that conf- in that conference, or a lot of teams oh, yeah. that should have winning co- winning records, and maybe you're finishing, you know, eight and four, you know, or six and six, maybe because the, the conference play is so damn tough. But we look back on those teams and go, that was a pretty darn good six and six team. Like they were pretty competitive. So, um, yeah, a, a great performance from Wazoo. Oregon State's defense, um, clearly not a not living up to the hype that we had given them over the previous uh, yeah. three weeks, uh, given up 38 to Wazoo, but an outstanding performance for the Cougars. Yeah. I wouldn't write off Oregon state though, quite yet. You know, no, I, I'm, they, not, I'm not, we got to give them, them another shot uh, again. You, they got Utah at home this week. So uh, a good chance for them to bounce back and prove that, Hey, no, we still should be in this PAC 12 conference race, you know? So we'll see how they, uh, how they six, look six to three final score in that game. I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah, that could great be. defenses. <laughs> it, it very well could be Mitch. Uh, <laughs> let's jump over to the sec. We had one game we wanted to mention, and I'm sure you've got thoughts on this, Mitch, your Alabama crimson tied with a, and very important bounce back win over a ranked Ole Miss squad. Uh, Alabama gets it done 24 to 10 at Bryant Denny stadium. Uh, the defense, man, the defense looked really impressive for Alabama as always, but, Jalen Milrow back at quarterback for the tide. And uh, I thought he showed out well, but you're the Bama fan. You've watched all these quarterbacks. You've seen it all. What were your thoughts on the tide and specifically of Milrow and how he handled the quarterback position? You know, (laughs) that's going to be what holds Alabama back is the quarterback position. Um, I think if Alabama has any chance of getting themselves back into the top 10 at some point this year, they have to just stick with Milrow. They can't fart around with the quarterback position anymore. We know Tyler Buckner's not the guy. We 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 know that's yeah. not it. We know Ty Simpson has got room, a lot of room for improvement, but you know, he wasn't god awful, but he was still pretty bad. Uh Jalen Milrow is their best quarterback. And it, it, you gotta let the guy eat with his athleticism. His decision making with the ball throwing the football just not great um he has to iron out those kinks but uh, i think as far as you just give an athlete the football and let him make a football play jalen milrow is going to be your guy tyler buckner looked like a crippled goose out there trying to throw the football i mean it was just it was ugly trying to watch him throw so glad milrow's back and the defense looked pretty good i mean they they shut down jackson dart pretty well um they didn't allow him to make any sort of big red zone throws um they shut down the run game exceptionally well. Um, defense looks solid. Defense looks legit. Quit farting around with the quarterback position, and I think that we'll be a top ten team by the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that's fair. It definitely feels like Milrow is the guy, their best path to success, at least. Yeah. Certainly, though, you are heavily searching the portal next offseason for competition or yes. an upgrade. Uh, but yeah, I think their best best path to success is to ride with Jalen Milrow and important that they were able to get this win and bounce back and not let the season unravel completely. You know, you're right back on track. You got, you know, yeah, you got it. You got a loss. It's not great, but it wasn't in conference play. So you're okay. Like you you can get to the, the sec championship game and then it's, you know, you get a win and you're there. I mean, that's the scenario. You got to get it done. But the season is not over for Alabama, and this was an important win for them. You mentioned the transfer portal. Go look hard at the transfer portal for a quarterback. If I'm Alabama, I'm crossing my fingers 
that a guy that we lost out on recruiting to Alabama that wound up going to Texas, maybe doesn't like it over there in College Station and is looking to move out with the success of Quinn Ewers. Mm -hmm. What if Arch Manning decides, hey, I'm not getting (laughs) enough time here in Texas. I'm going to go play somewhere else. Mm. And I, I think if that situation happens, Alabama has to jump on it swiftly and whatever it takes to get him to Alabama, you invest in getting Arch Manning there because I think that that kid's the real deal. Um, and he's not going to, he's not, I mean, he's not going to play for the next two years with Quinn Ewers playing as well as he is. So he's, you know, he's yeah. just not going to get the snaps. So he's going to have a better, way better opportunity to play right now at Alabama than he ever will at Texas for the next two years. That's fair. If Quinn Ewers decides not to go to the NFL and stick around for next season. Yeah. You know, maybe Arch. Ah, shit. He's a saying. junior, isn't he? Damn it. He I could, about- he could go, he could go, but you're he absolutely right. Go. There's a scenario where Quinn says, Hey, you know, the, I'm getting a second round grade right now. And, uh, I, you know, I think I could be top 10 if I stay and right. play in the sec. So I'm coming back. And then Arch says, well, I want to play. So see ya. And there you go. So yeah, you better hope that Quinn Ewers doesn't get high NFL draft grades and decides to come back for your Bama's sake. I hope That's... he's a third round draft grade. I really do. I <laughs> love it. Mitch, uh, Big Ten, the couple games. This this was this was probably game of the week for sure. And certainly the, the most hyped matchup, a top 10 matchup between Ohio State and Notre Dame. In fact, in our picks, we, you know, we continued our college picks and our NFL quick picks last week, despite not having the podcast. We still made them. We still shared them with each other. We had this game. We both locked opposing teams in this matchup. I locked Ohio State in this. Notre Dame was Mitch's lock, and Ohio State got it done uh, at at the buzzer, 17-14, to 14, to defeat the Fighting Irish on the road. This was quite the... The slugfest, Mitch. What were your takeaways from this one? Just, I mean, these are just two really, really good football teams that met on the same field and beat the piss out of each other. <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. It was awesome. It was awesome. I, I, I loved the post-game motivational deal from Ryan Day of, where's Lou Holtz? I want to, like, you're trying to fight an 89-year-old man. <laughs> Shut up, Ryan Day. You big jerk. What are you talking so, about? So, you got to so fight fake. 89-year-old Lou Holtz? Is that what you're offended by Lou Holtz? Like, what are we doing, bro? I mean, what a joke Ryan Day is. I mean, he he is like, he's, he's oh, like man. one of those NBC dramas about football. He is that coach in that show. That's what Ryan Day is. I mean, it, it, what a joke of a guy. But anyway, it was a, regardless of that, fantastic football game. Um. I think that they for I think that really what Notre Dame should have done in that game was utilize Audric Estime a little bit more. He was kept pretty quiet. He only had 14 touches. Now I know Sam Hartman's been lighting it up through the air. Um, but clearly things weren't quite opening up for him as much as he has seen in the last few weeks. I think when you got a guy like Audric Estime, you have to be able to ground and pound with him, especially against a really physical Ohio State defense. So I think that might have been the downfall. A little bit more ball control from Notre Dame would have gone a long way in um, maybe flipping this score the other way. Yeah, you know, I uh, I was not a believer on Notre Dame this year, Mitch. I, I just felt like they were getting overhyped again, and I'm not a believer in Sam Hartman, to be honest with you. And I know you're you're on the opposite spectrum. You're in on Notre Dame. You were in on Sam Hartman. 
And I, I got to say, I walked away from this game very impressed with the Fighting Irish. I thought I walked away from this game thinking they were much better than I did when the game started because they very well could have and probably should have won this game. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State survives. They got it done. They showed the determination to to pull this one out and good on them for it. But I think this Notre Dame team showed they're a top 10 team. They're playoff capable. You know, if they go undefeated the rest of the way and this is the blemish on their record, that's, you know, they're going to have USC. They're going to have some other tests to be able to add to their resume. So I, I won't count out Notre Dame quite as easy as I, I would have before uh, this game. But uh, Ohio State, though, I mean, it's just about Ohio State, Michigan at this point. Um, you know, we just need to see those two teams play at the end of the season. And uh, one of those teams will be in the playoff and the other one will probably not. Maybe right. they still will. It's definitely possible. But uh, yeah, I think that's just the that's where we're headed at this point. That's that was my takeaway from this game. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one other game in the Big Ten, I guess, down uh, Penn State. Shutting out Iowa. Big, big game for Penn State. Another team that I think the same way that you weren't very high on Notre Dame, I wasn't very high on Penn State. And it's yeah, it goes back down to the quarterback situation. I think we all knew Drew Aller was going to be special. I think we know that he's a really good talent. I didn't think that he was going to be this smart with the football this young. I mean, this guy's really, really good. Um, great defense by by uh, Penn State, but also at the same time, <laughs> you shut out Iowa. I mean, this team right. averages like 11 points a game. I mean, come yeah. on. Um, so... I mean, impressive showing from Penn State, um, and I think they they beat an Iowa team that they should they should have blown out. Like they should have blown yeah. out Iowa State's. I think a little overrated last week, being the you know ranked number twenty four. Um, an impressive showing from Penn State, though, nonetheless. For, for sure, uh, yeah, I don't think Iowa's really that good. Uh, I'm just circling October twenty first. Uh, that is when they will travel to uh, Columbus to take on Ohio state. That's when we'll know how good Penn state really is. Uh, you know, they play Northwestern. They'll play Massachusetts, UMass. <laughs> Those are the two games they have in between that. We're not going to learn very much about them in the, the next three weeks. So October 21st, that's when we'll learn how good Penn state is. Cause right now they'll be in that top eight ranked range, right in the polls. And they'll be, they'll, they'll have a shot at, you know, uh, being a highly ranked team with a big win. So uh, that'll be the test. But uh, yeah, good win for them nonetheless, but still TBD for me on Penn State. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, AP, yeah, for sure. Uh, AP poll reaction, Mitch, uh, the updates to the AP top 25 this last week. Uh, some of the more notable things, Ohio State bumps into the top five after their win over Notre Dame. They are up to number four in the polls. Uh there are four Pac-12 teams now in the top 10, uh, and they go in order from 7 to 10, Washington, USC, Oregon, Utah. So uh, four Pac-12 teams showing up at the back half of the uh, top 10 of the AP poll. Uh, three new schools this week, Missouri, Kansas, and Fresno State join the top 25, Colorado, UCLA, and Iowa all drop out after their losses. Uh, the most notable thing I think this week on the voting, Mitch, was that there were six t 
teams that received a first place vote. Six mm-hmm. different teams received a first place vote this week. They are Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington. Uh, I love this. I think this speaks to just how wide open college football feels this year. And I'm curious to see if you agree with me on that. But it doesn't really seem like there's a consensus three, four teams that we know are going to be in that playoff mix. It very much feels wide open. I feel like I could name eight to 12 teams that I could see in the playoff. And we're into week five of this season. It's kind of crazy. So I think this reflects that in that voting for the AP uh, top 25. I'm curious your thoughts. Do you feel like this season's pretty wide open? Oh, it's it's wide freaking open. Wide open. And um, I mean, it, it it's reflected in who got the first place votes too because a representative from every single conference got a first place vote. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, this is a completely wide open. Like you said, you said, you know, you could see eight to 12 different teams making a college football playoff. I see 12 and that top 12 right now, any one of those teams could make it in. Maybe not Alabama. I'm not even really sure if they're, they're (laughs) super, you know, playoff flirty, but at least in that top 10, any one of those top 10 teams can make a push right now. Yeah. Um, And there's even teams outside the top 10. You, You look at a, you look at a North Carolina or an LSU, a team that can make kind of a streaky run and put themselves in a position to get a college football playoff spot. Um, it is completely wide open. It's still Georgia's title to lose, I think, at this point. But darn it, they don't run things anymore because there's a lot of really good teams. I think if they run into in the college football playoff, there, there there's at least a few teams, more than a few teams, that they're not going to be super thrilled to see. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. No one's looked overly dominant, and the teams that have looked really impressive are almost new. They're not, you know, we're, we're like like a Texas. It's like we're still kind of questioning: is it real or not? We we don't we don't trust it yet. You know, if Georgia looked dominant, we would trust. Yeah, it's Georgia. If Alabama, you know, but it, it's almost like these new schools that are playing really well. We don't trust that enough that it's real. And the schools that we do know, the Michigans, the Georgias, the Ohio States are looking good, but they're not looking great. They're not looking dominant. So I love it. It's been fun I mean, for college football, for sure. Yeah. And let's keep in mind, too, people, that Georgia's number, you know, ranked number one because they're coming off the national championship and they started off 4 0. Let's keep in mind, they have played a cupcake schedule to start the year. Oh, yeah. They had UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, and UAB. I mean, they have not played. I mean, I guess South Carolina was the only tough team. The right. only the real test that they've had in South Carolina is good, but it's not a huge test for Georgia either. So, like, w- when if there is a team that can give Georgia a test moving down the road, I wouldn't be surprised to see that to see some more teams, some other teams, get more first place votes and start to knock on the door of that number one ranking for sure, for sure. Um. Okay, Dallin, MVP of the week. We always give our MVP and let's start. Do you mind if I start here? I'm oh, gonna, go I'm gonna, I'll yeah. take the first one. I'm going to go with DJ Giddens. DJ Giddens from Kansas State. 30 touches, workhorse day for him. 30 touches, 207 yards, and four touchdowns in a 44 to 31 win against UCF. Big, big day for him. Um, my MVP of the week. My MVP of the week. Give the shout out to the K State boy. I love it. I love it. Uh, 
big win for uh big win for K-State, right? They got it done this, Absolutely. this last week, if I remember right. And uh I love that. Running back, four touchdowns, 30 touches. Four nice. touchdowns, 30 touches, 270 yards. It's a good day. Big, That's big a good day, day, day the at the office. Good day at the office. <laughs> uh, Mitch, my MVP of this week, I got a couple. I, I want to mention a defensive player as well. My my MVP, though, is going to go to Cameron Ward. Cam Ward, the quarterback from Washington State. Uh, again, I, I, I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about the Cougars, but uh, he was an FCS uh, transfer, joined Washington State last year, had a good season in 2022. Uh, but this is not only for his performance in the win against Oregon State, but this whole season, Mitch. Uh, this, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the stats for the Oregon State win. 404 passing yards, completed 82% of his passes for four touchdowns. Uh, also had a rushing touchdown, by the way. So a casual, you know, five tutties in the in the win. Uh, but for the season, Mitch, he's completing 74.5% of his passes. He's thrown for 1,389 yards, averaging almost uh, nine. He's averaging 9.9 yards per attempt. And he's got 13 touchdowns to zero interceptions. The kid is lighting it up. And again, we, you know, we know the early season schedule is not always great. They've played Wisconsin and they knocked off Wisconsin. And then they played Oregon State. And they knocked off Oregon State. And last time I checked, those are still two pretty good defenses. Uh, so the Very fact good. that he's doing all this against these defenses is huge. Uh, Jake Dickert, his head coach, mentioned this week, uh, it's about time we mentioned Cam Ward with the with the top college quarterbacks and the NFL draft prospects. And he is a guy on the NFL radar, on the outsides of it. But when he made the, tr- the move up to the FBS level, to the Power 5 level at Washington State, there was buzz coming from the NFL that wanted to see this kid at the highest level of college football, not at Houston Baptist, but against real competition. And I mean, 2023, it's looking fantastic. So don't be surprised if he keeps this up, if you start hearing his name more and more, but uh, definitely deserve the shout out for the big game that he had. My defensive uh, player, though, I wanted to mention Mitch from the Utah Utes, Jonah Ellis, huge game for the defensive end from Utah four sacks, five QB hurries. He had another tackle for loss on top of that. Uh, A dominant performance from Jonah Ellis and that Utah Utes defense. So I wanted to give him a shout out as well. Love the love the love for the defensive side of the ball. Love that love. And Dallin, speaking of big performances, let's get into the college football trivia question of the week presented by no one presented by no one, but it's a reoccurring segment here on the campus tour. And Dallin, are you ready? I think so. All right. So speaking of big performances, this Oklahoma State running back set the record for most 300 rushing ga- rushing yard games in 1988 with four. Wow. 1988, Oklahoma State. Four 300-yard rushing games. Yep. I can even give you the totals. Uh, let's see. He had... <laughs> 332 against Texas Tech, 320 against Kansas State, 312 against Kansas, and 304 against Tulsa. Oh, man. I'm just trying to think of the era. There's not a name that comes to mind specifically, but 1988. Oh, man. Um, ah, This doesn't feel great. I think this might might be early on my timeline. I'm not entirely sure. I don't even know if this guy played for... Uh, Oklahoma State. I'm going to say Emmett Smith. No, Emmett Smith is not the correct answer. It is kind of in the right era. 
Uh, this is Barry Sanders down. Barry Sanders. Oh, okay, because that was, I that came to mind too, but then the timeline, I was like, oh, I was second guessing it. Okay, it was Barry Sanders. Okay. Even more impressive than the four 300-yard games. This is where it gets wild. Down in just 11 games, because they only played 11 games back then in a regular season of college football, he rushed for 2,628 yards. <laughs> In just 11 games. 2,600? 2,628 yards. And I believe oh. he had 37 touchdowns in that, wow. in that season as well. So, wow. yes, because also, just another fun fact, the most rushing yards gained by two brothers in a single season was Barry Sanders and his brother Byron, who played at Northwestern in 1988. Both bro- Obviously, Barry had the big 2,600-yard season. His brother had a thousand yard season as well at, at Northwestern. So damn big, big stuff from the Sanders brothers in the eighties. So how about that? I love that. There you go. Uh, I had to look it up. Emmett Smith played for Florida, but the years yes. were right. The era was right. I am glad on that because that was, I was throwing myself off. I'm like, man, what did these guys play in college? I know when they, you know, pit that peak NFL time, but uh, yeah, Barry Sanders. Wow. That's great. They might've even gone in the same draft now that I think about it, but yeah, yeah, 89 or 90, something like that. There you but. go. College football trivia question of the week. Love to see it. There you go. There you go. Mitch, uh, our upset of the week. We always award this out to the team that had the best upset from the uh, previous week. And uh, this week, Mitch, there were no there were no big uh, ranked upsets this week. And there were there were none entirely. Uh, so we went with uh, an unranked game, but a big uh, upset nonetheless, Northwestern over Minnesota in overtime, 37-34. We know Northwestern, not a great program. Uh, Minnesota was favored by 11 and a half in this game. Mm. So when, you, when you're when you when you're an 11 and a half point underdog and you get it done, uh, that's a kudos to you. So that's the upset of the week. Northwestern over Minnesota. Love it. Gotta love it for Northwestern. Um, not a whole lot of great things happening in the uh, Chicago, Illinois era area right now, as far as football goes. So good to see that <laughs> Northwestern uh, gets the dub uh, over Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Dallin, it's time. It's time for our college football picks of the week. And apparently I just forgot how to pick college football games. Like I just <laughs> forgot how that worked. Uh, you are kicking my ass through the first few weeks of the year. Um, I had one point last week, giving me a whopping grand total of two points on the year. Um, I mean, I literally more weeks have passed in the college football season than I have points. So that's uh, a stat that I should erase from my brain as quick as possible. (laughs) Um, Dallin walking away with four points last week. You nailed the lock uh, with the Ohio State Notre Dame game. um, And you walk away with four points, giving you a grand total of 11 for the year. Well done, buddy. Continue yeah. to roll, but I want you to know the Mo train's coming. The Mo train's coming. I know it. Um, it's inevitable. <laughs> I'm talking a little bit too cocky, but you know what? <laughs> I'm going to hype myself up. Just let me hype myself up a little bit here. Down. Let's get into the first game on the docket. Kansas. 4-0 Kansas. 24th ranked Kansas. Going to head over to College Station to take on the Texas Longhorns, the third-ranked Texas Longhorns, another 4-0 team right now. Texas favorite at minus 16 and a half. I, 
I love this Texas team. I think that they're exceptionally talented. I think they'll they're one of my top teams as far as college playoff contenders go. Um I the 16 and a half line though is a little bit too rich for me. I'm not going to take the lock, but I will take Texas to beat Kansas at home. I think te- Texas is a tough place to play right now, too. I mean, those fans are hyped that Texas is back. The Longhorns are back. But I think Texas gets the job done. Not going to take the spread, though. Yeah. Um, I love I, I was going to just le- let let you keep disrespecting Texas by saying they are in College Station. That's Texas A&M. Uh, Texas is in Austin. Uh, DKR, oh, they Memorial. are UT Austin. Oh, I, listen, it. I love it because I you so like unintentional, and I I was like, but I should say something. I know I better though. <laughs> I know better. But uh, uh, as far as the game goes, Mitch, uh, this Kansas team, I watched them last week uh, defeat BYU uh, in in BYU's conference Big Twelve conference play debut, and this Kansas team is uh, legit. They were, I think, my dark horse Big Twelve champ coming into this season because I think mm-hmm. Jalen Daniels and this Kansas team is legit. The offense is uh, explosive. It is tricky. It's not easy to defend against. And the defense was impressive against BYU. How impressive is that defense going to be against a Texas offense? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to roll with the Longhorns in this one, though. I will say uh, Texas will not win this by 16 and a half. I think this is like a 10 point game, maybe even closer. I think Kansas can make this thing really interesting because they should be riding high right now with this 4-0 record in a top 25 ranking. But I will take the Longhorns at home in this one. Yeah, that's probably a good call. Yeah. Good call. Uh, Mitch, an SEC matchup up next, another ranked matchup, number 13, LSU. Uh, they will take on uh, number 20, Ole Miss. Ole Miss coming off the loss to Alabama, chance to bounce back. couple good SEC teams. We'll see how good they are. LSU favored on the road in this one by minus two and a half. This is a tricky one for me, Mitch. Uh, I think this Ole Miss team is solid. I think this Ole Miss team is solid, especially on offense. I think the defense is good, but you know maybe not top uh, SEC caliber. Not a big believer in this LSU team, though. And I never really have been dating back to last season. All the hype coming into this season, I was not really buying it. But this is a tricky game to pick. I'm going to go with the home team here. Mm. I'm going to go with Ole Miss and this one. Jackson Dart bounces back after the tough performance against the Crimson Tide. Better fares better against the Tigers. So I'll go, I'll go Ole Miss here. I don't, I don't feel great. This is a tough one for me. This is kind of a toss up game in my mind. Yeah. I think this is probably the, what this is probably the toughest game of the docket to pick um, because they're kind of too, teams for me where I know they're both good teams but (laughs) I think they're going to have some bad weeks maybe like you know they're going to have some weeks where they maybe they don't look as good you took Ole Miss plus two and a half I kind of really like that I'm going to take LSU I'm going to take LSU though Um, I'm going to roll with the Tigers on the road. No rhyme or reason either. No rhyme or reason like other it. than I got to gain a point on you somewhere. So I might as well just if in the toss up game, flip the coin. Let's go LSU. Oh, yeah. Dallin, uh, 
another SEC matchup, an SEC East matchup between number 22, Florida, and unranked Kentucky. 4-0 Kentucky. Kentucky has looked really good uh, to start the year. Right now, the line set at Kentucky. Home favorites at minus one. Devin Leary has looked really good, but has been a little bit careless with the football at times. Five interceptions through the first four weeks. Not a good look for the for the quarterback of the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Graham Mertz has also looked good at times, but um, maybe the numbers there not to support how good he's actually looked. Um, this is such a close. This is such a close game too. But I think I'm gonna take Kentucky to upset Florida. And yeah, I'm just gonna take Kentucky to upset Florida. I had to think about uh, it for a second. No luck. He was thinking. I, I was know thinking you about were thinking, it. And that line is is a juicy one to lock at minus one. It is. So I really get it. juicy. I get it. But he goes Kentucky. No lock. I will go with the Gators in this one. I think kind of just like that other SEC game. I think it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty big toss up. I do like Devin Leary. And I'm bullish on Kentucky. And hey, listen, I mean, they they play Florida and then they get Georgia the next week. Perhaps there's some extra motivation to bring some hype into that game. A win against Florida would certainly get them ranked in the top 25, set up a top 25 matchup with Georgia. So, you know, maybe there's some juice for Kentucky in this one. But I think Florida continues the good play. I'll go with the Gators in this one. Uh, Mitch, up next, number 11, Notre Dame. Coming off the loss to Ohio State, they got a head uh to uh what is it Dur- is it durham is that where duke is i don't i don't yeah it is durham it is that's durham. right it is durham to take on number 17 duke the fl- the blue devils notre dame favored on the road minus five and a half in this one we talked about notre dame a lot duke though mitch we like duke mike elko has his team playing well riley leonard one of your quarterbacks to know before the year i tried to tell you this summer and he's been having a hell of a start. He's uh, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s QB3 in his draft ranker. He was. I think Shadur is now. But he's up in the top five. There's, there's, there's a lot of love for Riley Leonard right now. Can Duke pull off the upset? I'm saying yeah, Mitch. I'm Ooh. saying yeah. And you know what? I'll lock it at that. I'm going to lock it. Duke gets the win at home. Give me the Blue Devils. Damn it, Dallin. It's gonna be my lock. It was gonna be my <laughs> Are lock. Are you serious? You're I'm on dead Notre serious. Dame and you were gonna lock Duke. Wow. <sighs> I guess I keep forgetting too that like they have to win and cover. Like I can't just pick them to win. Yeah. Like, like if they can I can't just pick them to, you know. I can't lock them and have them lose by three. Well, they covered, but I, they, you know, they, I don't get the lock. So, right. um, yeah, give me, the, give me the fighting Irish. Give me Notre Dame in this one. Okay. Give me Notre Dame. I might as well yeah. just be consistent. Yeah. <laughs> stick with, stick with Notre Dame. Notre Dame and the Lou Holtz, Notre Dame fighting Irish. Take, <laughs> take a Notre Dame there. Uh, Dallin last game to pick for this week, a PAC 12 matchup. Number 10, Utah. Heading over to Corvallis. I'm not going to screw that city up. Corvallis <laughs> to take on number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State right now at minus three and a half favorites, which I thought uh, I thought it actually would be. It's a tight spread, but I thought it actually might be even closer 
yeah. uh, given the performances of Utah throughout the course of the year and Oregon State coming off the loss. I thought this line would be a lot tighter and maybe even Oregon State um, as a home dog, I thought would be maybe the outcome for this one. Uh, but they're favored by three and a half over the Utes. I think it's a big opportunity for Oregon State to bounce back and beating the the Utah Utes at home would be massive for them. Give me the Beavers, and I'm locking them at plus three and a half. I like. Actually, you know what? That's my favorite. That's my favorite play. I like this lock more so than the more so than the Duke one. I like this Good. lock best. Oregon State, lock it up. Plus three All right. You know, this line, Mitch, I think a lot of it has to do with the status of Cam Rising. Again, he has not played in any of these first four games. And Nate Johnson, who's come in in relief, has looked good at times, but not great. They don't really try to pass the ball at all. They're they're pretty one-dimensional when, you know, they have this other quarterback in. So I think, you know, the questions around Cam Rising being available are going to, uh, you know, it's going to favor Oregon State for now. But I have a sneaking suspicion that, uh, Utah always planned this game to be the game. I thought they felt confident getting past UCLA probably shouldn't have been ranked in the top 25, you know, but, uh, they get that early ranking and this win looks really good last week, but you know, maybe it's not that impressive a win at the end of the season, but this Oregon state team on the road on a Friday night in Corvallis, that's a tough matchup. And I think cam will be back for it. And I think the team rallies around him. And Utah gets it done. So I'm going to take the Utes on the road in this one uh, to get it done in a close matchup. This is probably, besides Kansas-Texas, I am very excited for that game. This is the other game on our list that I'm most excited to watch. And and this will be a Friday night on FS1 uh, between Utah and Oregon State. So big opportunity. Big, big, big opportunity. And wow, opportunity for a lot of swing point swing here for a big yes. point swing week. Yeah, we no. differed on everything other than the Texas pick, uh, which you love to see. So it could be a big swing for Mitch. Perhaps I extend my lead even more. You never know. You never know. We'll see how I it shakes out. I sure hope you don't extend that thing. I sure <laughs> hope. Well, Dallin, let's brown this college tour or this campus tour out with your player to know, just like you do every week. You give us one player to know looking forward into the NFL draft. So far, Roma Dunze and Shador Sanders have been the guys that you've highlighted. So, Dallin, take us into who you're highlighting this week. Yeah, uh, this is a player we've mentioned on here before. In fact, I think after week one, I mentioned this player by name and said he will be on this list at some point this season. Uh, so you can just kind of plan on that. And uh, I was planning on waiting, but he had another big game uh, this past uh, week to help his uh, Florida state team earn the win over Clemson game winning touchdown in overtime for this guy. So we have to highlight now Keon Coleman, the wide receiver out of Florida state, the uh, Michigan transfer or sorry, Michigan state transfer spent his first uh, first few years up there uh, in the big 10 transfers this year to Florida state who recruited him originally. I think he's a Florida kid. Uh, so it kind of gets to come back home, compete for a college football playoff. And, uh, he's put up some, uh, some good numbers this season. So far, 17 catches, 256 yards and six touchdown receptions in four games already. Uh, he is a six, four, 210 receiver. 
you're you're sort of more prototypical true X receiver. At least he certainly looks like it, right? Looks the part, plays big, red zone target, uh, but has enough speed and athleticism to do a little bit of everything. And we've seen that in that uh, Florida State offense, and especially with how they use him alongside Johnny Wilson, who is the six foot seven, two hundred thirty behemoth at wide receiver. Uh, when when you have that guy, Keon Coleman can, becomes your more shifty. You know, you, they put him in the slot and they do some interesting stuff with him. He's shown some versatility, not just a true only outside kind of guy. Uh, but since that game one against LSU where he uh, really, really splashed to start the season, had three touchdowns, over 100 receiving yards in that game. He has really shot up draft boards. Uh, right now on the consensus draft board, he is the prospect number 22 and wide receiver five, only behind Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Ameka Igbuka, both those wide receivers from Ohio State, Malik Neighbors from LSU, and Xavier Worthy from Texas. So wide receiver five right now on the consensus draft board. I think you could safely say he's going to be in the first round uh, conversation right now. It just depends on when these wide receivers go and how many go in this first round. But uh, he has great size when you compare him to some of the other players that uh, in this draft class, you know, Marvin Harrison, you know, take him aside. He is everything. We know that. But Agbuka, more of that modern, you know, he doesn't have the 6'4 size. Malik Neighbors, sh small, shifty kind of guy. Xavier Worthy, you're more of your vertical, deep threat kind of guy. Uh, Roma Dunze is more in this mold, a little, a bit more of a do-everything kind of player. So there's a, there's a spot here for Keon Coleman to shine in this wide receiver draft class. He's shown that ability to go make big plays in the red zone and when the game matters. And that's what NFL teams are going to love. When the game matters, who does Jordan Travis throw to? Keon Coleman. And who comes down with the catches? Keon Coleman. That matters to NFL teams. They want playmakers, and this kid's a playmaker. So a rising name who's solidified himself as a first-round pick probably at this point, at least in that conversation for wide receivers. But if you're not familiar yet, time to get familiar. It's Keon Coleman, the wide receiver out of Florida State. Love it. Love it, Dallin. Great to shout out the guy that's not six foot eight. Let's uh let's get this. <laughs> it's easy to shout out it's easy to shout out the big guy. That's the big, yeah. you know, the big weapon, but you know, Keon Coleman has absolutely been productive for that Seminole offense. So, Oh yeah. Um, good, good, uh, good player to know down. Great player to know. Well, that's going to wrap up the campus tour down and that's going to wrap up the first half of this podcast. So stick around. Let's hit a little mid roll. And on the backside, let's get into a little, who the hell is that? And maybe a little immaculate grid before we get into our NFL Week three recap, and then as always, we'll wound out round out this show with our quick picks. Don't want to miss it. Stick around, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back. Loving that smooth jazz. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around to go through us on the backside of the show or second half of the show. Um, Dallin, let's uh, let's have a little fun before we get back out to business. How about that? Yes, sir. Let's do uh, it. All right. Let's bring back a segment that we all know and love. It's called Who the Hell is That? Dallin, I am going to give you the career path of a player. You have to tell me who that player is. You'll have three guesses. I'll have uh, hints after each guess uh, for you to decipher who the hell that is. So, Dallin, are you ready? I am. Let's do it. All righty. This player from the NFL had the career path of Denver, Baltimore, San Francisco. Brandon Stokely. No, it's a pretty damn good guess, though. But no, it's that is not Brandon Stokely. Uh, great start, though. Let's uh, let's go a little bit further here. This defensive end okay. was drafted. Let's see, fourth in the fourth round of the 2006 NFL draft. Defensive end. Fourth round, 2006 NFL draft, and it's Denver, Baltimore, San Francisco, correct? Yes, yes. Denver, Baltimore. I'm going to say Justin Smith. Not Justin Smith. Great start, though. Great, Another great guess again. Um. This player who played the majority of his career, well, yeah, of course he played the majority of his career in the AFC, led the league in sacks in 2009 with 17. Who? Hmm, led the league in 2009 with 17 sacks. Who? I don't feel great about this guess, but I'm going to say Elvis Doomerville. <laughs> that is correct, Alan. No way. Let's yeah, go. that is correct. Wow. Great oh, job. Oh, my goodness. Elvis Doomerville. Yes. <laughs> oh, that feels so good. Yeah. Man. He led the league wow. in sacks with Denver in 2009-17. Yeah. He also sack, had 17 sacks in Baltimore in 2014. Um, 105 career sacks. One of those guys that I think that in the era of the Dwight Freenies and the Justin Smiths and the Jared Allens, a guy that could easily in DeMarcus words, you could easily forget that Elvis Doomerville was a high impact player uh, yeah. for any defense that he was a part of. So um, one of those guys <laughs> I think is easily forgotten, easily overlooked, underrated. So Elvis Doomerville, well done, Dallin. Well Let's done. Go. Oh, that feels good. That's a good poll. That's a good poll. Wow, 17 sacks twice. That's impressive. Yes. Had two different seasons, two different stops. I mean, wow. There you go. Yes. Love absolutely. It. Love, Love it. it. <laughs> All righty, Mitch. Well, let's get this good mojo and let's continue it on for the Immaculate Grid. It's been a minute since we've done one of these, but uh, for those who aren't familiar, ImmaculateGrid.com, you can go. Uh, and play. We have to correctly guess players that qualify for these uh, for certain uh, either played for certain teams or reached a statistical uh, milestone that's given. So we're sharing the screen now on the stream. So if you don't, 
already. Join us on the stream so you can watch this, see this live. You don't have to listen to it on the podcast. YouTube.com slash sports hour, guys. Join us on Tuesdays. Uh, but Mitch, uh, this is what we've got. Uh, down the uh, left-hand column, the vertical column, we have the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. And across the top horizontally, we have the Buccaneers, the Texans, and a 1,000-yard rushing season. So All right. nine guesses to get it perfect. And uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the 1,000-yard rushers? I think we should. Yeah, and I'm... Like I said, it's more impressive if you get the obscure names right. that maybe don't instantly come to mind. So I mm-hmm. think I think we could pull one for each of those teams, though. I, I feel think like we can. I feel like. Okay, would you want to start with the Eagles then at the top? Yeah. So let's start with the Eagles. My first name that wasn't LaShawn McCoy was Brian Westbrook. I like that. I like that. Let's go, Brian Westbrook. I don't. I'm sure it's not the most. See, here's the thing, folks. So this is the Immaculate Grid. We want to be perfect, but you you get some extra incentive for the more rare of the name. So it's a fine balance. We want to be right, but we do want to challenge it a bit. But I like Brian Westbrook. We good with that? Yeah. 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 Brian Westbrook, 27%. That's pretty good. Okay. All right. Uh, Seahawks, Mitch, I'm not going to lie. The first name that came to mind, Chris Carson. So I was even going to go older and more obscure. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner with a C, not like, a K. Okay, yeah. Okay, Kurt Warner. I don't think, I mean, I don't think anyone's picking that. So 6%. There we go. A 6% for, for Kurt Warner, the running back for the Seahawks. And then finally, the Dolphins, a thousand yard rusher for the Dolphins. Mm. Jay Ajayi? Mercury that one- Morris? Oh, who? Mercury Morris? Um, Jim Kick. A real person. Yeah. Well, these it are was all right, old he was, people. He was right there. These are all Mercury old Morris. people. That's why. 1969, 1976. Um, Jim Kick was the other one. Like Larry Zonka. Yeah, Zonka would probably be have a decent amount. Nah, don't do Jim Kick. Don't, yeah, don't do Jim Kick, though, because he was more of a fullback type. So, What was the first name? Was, you feel Mercury good Morris. One? Mercury Morris, yeah. You feel, feel good about good. it? I, I do. 3%. Yeah. All right. Mercury Morris. All righty. Okay, Mitch. Um, So we got teams left. Do you want to start with like, because we've got to match three different players with like Bucks or Texans. So I feel like maybe starting with one of those and trying to match them might be good. <sighs> yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Sounds so good. let's start with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. We got to match a player who fade for the Bucks and the Eagles or the Seahawks or the Dolphins. Mm. Damn, this is a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of wide receivers. Keyshawn Johnson. Where did he also play? He played besides in Tampa. The Jets. Okay. Yeah, I knew that. Um, might have been just Jets and Bucks. Yeah, I don't remember where else he ended up. Um, did Bruce Irvin play in Tampa Bay and Seattle? Ooh, that is a good question. I know he played in Carolina for a season. And he was I in don't Oakland know, for a season. Yeah, I don't. Tampa Bay doesn't feel great i'm not gonna no, lie yeah 
Oh no. <laughs> um, oh, I got like a. Oh, go ahead. I have one for Houston and Miami. Okay, Houston, Miami. What do we got? Lamar Miller. Ooh, ooh yeah, ooh yeah. I love that. I love that. The Houston thing, Mitch. So we have like Brock Osweiler. We've got like David Carr. Uh, I think Brand- like like there's so many quarterbacks they've had over the years in yeah. Houston. We've got to pair one of those with Eagles or Seahawks. Oh, but those guys don't change quarterbacks very often. That that might be tough. Well, like there's like Seahawks had a lot of different. Like they had a rotating room of backups too. Like did a Tavares yeah. Jackson play in Houston as well? Or mm, yeah, see, I know Minnesota on that one, but I don't know after he had like the Matt Flynn. But I don't know. Ryan did he end Mallet? Up in Tampa Bay. Ryan, did Ryan Mallet play for the Seahawks and the Texans? Ooh, I don't know about the Seahawks. Do you feel good about the Seahawks on that? Because I, I, I know for I sure. I kind of feel like he played in Seattle for a year. Ryan he was Mallet. a backup to Russ. To Russ. You I know he was it? in Houston. I fuck it, send it. Ryan Mallet. Why not? Oh, incorrect. Oh, God dang it. We did it. Okay, that's all right. All right. That's all right. all right. This is a tough one. I'm not gonna lie. Did uh did one of the did Rondé Barber ever play anywhere else? I don't think so. That's a good that's a good pull though. Did any of those guess. defensive guys though. So I was like thinking like the Eagles. Did any of them end up in Philly? I think most of those guys, like Derek Brooks and Sapp and all them, were pretty Yeah pretty steady um damn this is a tough one tampa bay tampa bay and houston's a tough one obviously they're very new franchise tampa though tampa's tricky we got to match tampa with philly seattle or miami still i feel like we're missing an obvious quarterback one on those i really do tampa yeah like a Jeff Garcia. Did he play for the Eagles? Oh, Eagles. I think he Jeff did. Garcia. Yeah. Jeff Garcia. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like That's... I contributed and that feels great. An eight percenter there. I love that. <laughs> love that. Oh, good stuff. Good okay. stuff. Okay. Um, but like Miami, they've had, you know, I'm just thinking like random guys that came through these places. Um there's gotta be a wide receiver that played in Tampa and Miami. Yeah, there has to be. Like Deshaun Jackson didn't have like a weird stop in Miami. Oh, Tampa, did he? Oh, Deshaun Jackson would have been a good one for the Eagles, but actually not not as rare, but would have been a good right. one. I don't think so. Um, Randy McMichael. For, I don't For Tampa, Miami. Yeah, no, he was with the Chargers. Sorry, he was with okay. the Chargers. Um, we got damn. three guesses left. We got to try to get something here. Is there any obvious ones that we just want to like maybe try to just pencil in? I guess that's what I'm trying to think. Is like I, that's the thing I think that's eluding me right now is the. The obvious ones. What about Arian Foster? Did he end up like in Philly at all? That was the one. <sighs> he actually might have been in Miami too. 
<laughs> I think actually he was. Now I think he was in that, Miami. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's funny. There was. Oh, no, that was David Clowney. Clowney didn't. Oh, Jadine and Clowney's played everywhere. Yeah. Did he played in Seattle, I feel like. I think he did. Yeah. 40, 46%. Wow. For like one year in Seattle, the fact that that's an easy one. He's played everywhere. That's yeah, that's exactly. One. That's why I was thinking. I was like, he's played everywhere. Okay, we got two guesses left. We got to get a Texan or a, with an eagle, or we pair a buck with a Seahawk or Dolphins. Matt Schaub didn't play in Philly, did he? Like as a backup, maybe. Definitely could have. I'm down to send it at this point. I mean, I, yeah. You feel good about it? Let's let's try it. Nope. Damn. It was a no. It was a no. Um. Okay, one more. What about like Warwick Dunn? He end up Seattle Warwick or Miami Dunn. at all? He played for Tampa, right? I'm not. Yes, he played. Oh, he played for Tampa and Atlanta. Yeah, I knew those two. I couldn't think yeah. if there was another one. Um, Brad Johnson. Where did, did Brad Johnson end up anywhere? He was he was with the Bucks and the Vikings. Yeah. Um. Josh Freeman. I feel like he might have been Miami and Miami and Tampa. I'm going. I'm sending it. Do it. No go. It was a no go. Okay, this was our poorest performance on the Immaculate Grid yet, but that's okay. This is this is tricky. Yeah that that was actually a tough one. I I'm I want to know what possible answers could be. So like right, and just be like, oh damn it, why didn't I think of that guy? That would have been easy, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. So we left out on a Texan and any someone who played for Houston and Philly, someone who played for Tampa in Seattle and then Tampa in Miami. So if you're there sitting there screaming in your car right now, how did you not think of this player? Uh, leave us a comment here. Drop into the stream. Let us know who we who we missed here. Because uh, yeah. yeah, hate to see it. I feel like an idiot, down an idiot. <laughs> It happens. It happens. It happens. It's so. not an easy game. It's what perfection is not easy. You know? No, it's not. It's it's not easy. And darn it, we're pretty darn close to it most of the time. But you know. Yeah. But uh, six out of nine too. That's like a that's that's batting six sixty seven. Yeah. That's I love that you plus. put that. I love that you put that as batting six sixty seven, and I put that as a D plus. Very different ways to look at the same grade. Uh, <laughs> I'm a glass half full guy, buddy. I'm a glass half full guy. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. I love it. Well, down. Let's get into our NFL recap of Week Three, and we're gonna go back to format that we really like to use when we recap in the NFL. A uh, little bit of superlative action here. Um, so, Dallin, let's kick it off with our most impressive team, and I'll let you start, and I have a feeling of where you're going with this to, to kick it off because, damn it, there was a team that was damn impressive. Yeah, maybe this is just the default answer. It's certainly not exciting, but uh, the Miami Dolphins were my most impressive team from this past week who put up a 70-piece against the Denver Broncos in their win. Uh, most points scored by an NFL team in a game since 1966. The regular season record was 72 points. The uh, overall record is 73, which was done in the playoffs. But 
70 points for Miami in this win. The offense, I mean, we talked about this after the week one, our reaction, right? Miami, that explosive offense. Wow, they could be exciting this year. Well, I don't think we saw 70 points on the horizon a few weeks later. I certainly did not. No. Uh, they're showing you exactly what they're capable of doing. Uh, they use pre-snap motion about 80% of the time. It's a league high in the in the history of the NFL. No one's moved around that much. And when you have all the speed that Miami does on offense, this is this is the game plan. We're gonna get all this guy, these guys with speed out there. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Devon Achan, a A Chan, by the way. Uh, apparently not a chain, a chan. He he has he has clarified us. So Dev Devin A Chan, Raheem Mostert, you get all this speed, and you're we're gonna put these guys in motion. We're gonna do whatever we want with them, and good luck. Good luck covering these guys at the line of scrimmage. Good luck covering them down the field. Good luck in zone. Good luck in man. Just like how do you know, have a, have a nice day. And uh, it it is obviously a challenge for defenses. We will see how teams adjust. And especially come playoff time, Mitch, when it's all about the matchup. Can Is a defensive coach out there smart enough to figure this Miami thing out and really stifle it? We'll see. We'll see. That'll be the test, you know, come January if they make it there. But I mean, so far, damn, it looks unstoppable. Uh, it, it really does. And Tua is playing perfect. The defense still can be even better. And the defense has also been good. But it's Miami team. They're here to stay. They're here to make some noise. They may be the team of 2023. Yeah, I I would go as far as to say that right now they are the team to beat in the AFC. I mean, they, they are, are that impressive offensively. You mentioned the pre-snap movement out of them. When you have all that speed, predicate your offense on misdirection and let your guys get out in space and eat, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's a it's a brilliant play scheme, you know, a brilliant scheming by the Miami Dolphins offensive coordinating team by Mike McDaniels. Um, just they are using their players to their maximum potential and using them where their strengths fit them best. Um, I have Raheem Mostert on a team on a fancy team, and I was stoked that I played him. Um, and then I realized that I didn't even play the best running back on the field <laughs> because Devon Achan is a, I mean, he went ape shit. He went ape shit on this Broncos defense. Yeah. And it was, it was just an incredible performance. Um, one you don't see very often, and so it was it was nice to see um, this incredible performance by a very very talented Miami Dolphins team. Yeah, an historic moment for the NFL in the modern era, and the fact that no one scored seventy since nineteen sixty six. I mean, we say no one, but like the in the age of offensive proliferation in the NFL, right? No one's gotten close to this. I don't think this is the last time we see this. I think this will become more commonplace than it ever has been. Teams getting 60 plus points uh, with how important offense is and how much of an emphasis there is on it. So, yeah, I mean, 70 is 70 is 70 is a lot. 70 is up there. 70 is a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, just an, an incredible performance by Miami. Um, I'm going to stay in the division and their division uh, rivals the Buffalo Bills. I'm, I'm going to put as my most impressive team. Um, a a team that has had moments this year where, damn it, they did not look very good. Um, 
But defensively, this team rose to the occasion this week, holding the commanders to three points. It's like the commanders team that actually wasn't really impressive through the first two weeks of the year. Yeah. Um, it was surprising people a lot with how good and efficient they were with the football. Buffalo rose to the occasion. They circled the wagons like no one else does because no one else circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And they shut down the Washington Commanders. Also put up a 37-piece on them. Um, just a, an all-around really, really solid performance and just continues to solidify my belief as to why they are one of the premier organizations in the National Football League right now is their ability to take adversity flip it around, learn from it and continue to grow as an organization. Um, an impressive, an impressive, impressive win by the Buffalo bills. Yeah. You know, they had the disappointing week one loss to the jets. Aaron Rodgers goes out of that game and they just, it was Josh Allen was throwing the game away right down the stretch. And I mean, the way that they've responded against the Raiders and the commanders, you know, not great teams, but just scored 75 points. And they allowed 13 in these two games and these two wins, including this impressive win uh, over Washington this last week. So it's exactly what you want to see from Buffalo after the shaky start. Uh, And you just hope that this is more of what we see from Buffalo moving forward. But the defense stepping up, we know what the offense with Josh Allen is capable of, but the defense stepping up back-to-back games, 13 points total allowed. That's a good sign for Buffalo. Yeah. And it, and, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, just a little bit of a, a sidestep here. I have to do shout out my boy Shane uh, commenting. I could never think of the Miami Dolphins without thinking of Ace Ventura pet detective. <laughs> that's right. Laces out, Marino. Laces out, Marino. Yes. Uh, that's a love classic. that. Love that. <laughs> um, anyway, Dallin, moving on to the most disappointing team of the week. I'll, I'll have you start because I need the dance floor yeah. for a minute. Yes. So um, I'll have you start. Um, and you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll take over from there. I'm happy to my friend. Uh, I, I picked the Dallas Cowboys, uh, this week for the most disappointing team after their 28 to 16 loss to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that I honestly thought could go winless this year. It would not have surprised me had the Cardinals gone 0 in 17, but they will not. They got a win. They beat the Cowboys. And after the Cowboys looked so good. It's so impressive to start the season to put up the performance they did on Sunday. Very disappointing. More, most, uh, you know, mostly in, I mean, listen, the offense wasn't great. They moved the ball extremely well. The fact that the defense, 200 yards on the ground, they gave up 222 total yards on the ground. Unacceptable. Josh Dobbs, 17 for 21 in that game. Uh, You know, not uh, four incompletions total. A very clean game for this offense. Unacceptable for this Cowboys defense that should be one of the league's best. Pitched a shutout over the Giants to open up the season. Can't be having this. Need to have a good bounce back next week. So uh, I, I, I'll i pick Dallas for this one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fitting. That's a very fitting selection for this because, you know, it, there was just there was so much to be excited about with this Dallas Cowboys team. And to have this disappointing of a look and the the lack in discipline 13 penalties 13 penalties exceptionally undisciplined um really really a disappointing show from dallas on sunday now look there are going to be weeks that good teams lose to teams they shouldn't lose to um 
unfortunately, Dallas has the track record of doing that a lot. And yep. Dallas also has the track record of folding when they have, you know, their ceiling is at its very highest. They don't live up to the expectations and the hype. So is this just another Dallas Cowboys team that's going to fall short of what they're truly capable of? Or is this just one of those weeks where they, they didn't show up? They didn't show up. I'm going to lean with they just didn't show up. I still think that this Dallas Cowboys team is very, very good. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, uh, nonetheless, a very disappointing week. For yeah, the Cowboys. Good, you know, it's a, it's a Cardinals team that stepped up big, a Dallas team that probably overlooked their opponent in some ways. You know, it's all those mix of things. You just have to uh, you have to see the bounce back. Right. You have to see them back, back, look more like themselves next week. Uh, Shane also adds another comment. It almost looked like European football. So many penalties. Yes. Uh, agreed. I mean, and, and listen to one of five in the red zone. You get to the oh, red zone oh, five so times, one of five in the red zone. Unacceptable. We just can't have that. So that's, uh, you know, it. can't have that. No, can't have it. Can't have it. Okay, Mitch. Your uh, most right. disappointing team. It is. <laughs> it is time. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Give me, give me just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? War's your, my friend. Every year. Every fucking year. The, the hope is there. The hope is there. And I get my soul stepped on. I get my soul stepped on every year. Year in and year out. I get my hopes up for this stupid team, and enough is enough already. Haven't had a quarterback since Sedlock by 1948. Justin Fields is a bum. He's not the answer. Waste of 11th pick in the, overall the, in the draft. Waste of a pick. Luke Getzey needs to go. Virginia McCloskey has to sell the team. Sell it. Get new ownership in. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of the Bears. Sick of them. Sick of them. My blood pressure is going through the roof. Fire Luke Getze. Tank. Sell the whole team. Get 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 rid of the whole defense. Get rid of the whole defense. A a unit. A unit. The entire history of the Chicago Bears has been built upon the defense. And we can't even play defense. We can't do anything. We can't run the ball. We can't even tie our shoes right. We can't even tie our shoes right. This is the most embarrassing organization in the national football league and then you got all the alan williams stuff you got all the alan williams stuff on the side apparently he's a scumbag good thing he's not in the building anymore but you have a scumbag in the building for the majority of the offseason building a toxic culture I, I i'm done i'm done with the bears i'm done out of my system you shut up i'm so fucking scared right now you shut up i am fucking scared i'm so fucking scared right now <laughs> Oh, Mitch, I, I get it. I get it. And listen, it's almost like a blessing what Miami did this week to kind of gloss over the 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 horrible game from Chicago and their loss to the Chiefs. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not good. And listen, it it's I, I, I'm going to try to talk you off the ledge a little bit, Mitch. It's still early in the season. We knew this was, we know this is a rebuild. We know this will take time. But, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday when we, when we were chatting. You need to see progress. We need to see something That's better. The thing is we don't it's, see progress. It's There's arguably nothing, looking worse. It's worse. 
It's worse than what it was. Justin Fields is lost, and it's not all on him. There's no confidence in this offense. Why would he have confidence in this offense? Going into this week, Dallin, we had, through the first two weeks, called four designed run plays for for Justin Fields. Four. This is a guy that became the third quarterback in NFL history to rush for 1,000 yards last year, and you've called four designed run plays for him? What are you doing? What are you doing? Luke Getze, they... We can put it on the coaching, but you also have to put something on Justin Fields because the guy holds on to the sure. ball way too long, way, way, way too long. And he's too athletic and too fast and too good with his legs to just stand there in the pocket and hold on to the ball the whole time. Get out of the pocket. Be creative. That's what you do best. That's what you do best. Why aren't you doing it? Yeah. Well, he's probably being coached not to, right? And then that's the fault of the coaches. And then you fire Luke Getze. Be the player that he is. And and it's it's a slippery it's a slope joke. with the situation. It's it's bad. I think this goes right into our overreactions for the week, Mitch, because both of our overreactions have to do with the Bears. So let's keep this going. We're talking about Justin Fields. Your overreaction this week is Justin Fields will lose his starting job by year's end. Okay. So they He'll lose it. The Bears will pack it in. Say this isn't working. Getsy's probably fired. You know they bench Fields and they say we'll figure it out next year. That's what you're. That's what you're saying. They should. I mean, look, there's there's no reason to keep running this guy out there if you got something else that might work behind him. There's just no reason to. Um, and if you're going to be committed to him and he's playing like dog ass like he does every week, just sit just sit the guy down. Don't even play. Don't even play around with it. It's. I. <sighs> I'm just so down. I'm so down on the Bears right now. It is ridiculous. It's sad. I'm just thinking back right now to that draft night in 2021. You and I on a call and just how excited we both were for the Bears getting a quarterback, getting Justin Fields. What a move. This is going to be huge. Exciting. Sid Luckman. Unbelievable. Well, Mitch, uh, hopefully it's better news for you in the future. My overreaction from this week, and this would be good news for you. Maybe not for this season, but for next season, perhaps Uh, my overreaction was that the Bears are going to have two top four picks in next year's draft. And one of those picks will be spent on a quarterback. Uh, One, this this goes to the fact that the Bears are going to be bad. They're going to have their own first round pick, but they also own my Carolina Panthers first round pick next year. And Carolina is 0-3, and, 3, and uh, it's not, it doesn't look like we're going to be winning games anytime soon. So that first-round pick will be Chicago's. It's very likely those end up both in the top 10, but at this point, top 4 or 5. And if you have two picks in that range, it would be near impossible to pass up on a quarterback prospect uh, considering what we would likely have to see from Justin Fields to get there. So I that feels like the direction we're heading right now. But I do, again, I want to say it's not... This isn't set in stone. This can turn around. We can see stuff from Justin Fields. We're three games in, but things need to happen. Things certainly need to be different. I am 100% with you there, and I hope they figure it out one way or the other. If if we do have two top four picks, and let's say Justin Fields continues to not be the guy, based off what I've seen so far, it's Jared Verse, and it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Those are the two I want. Yeah. Give me an edge guy. Give me the weapon. That's who I want. That's who I want. Almost punt on the quarterback position. I mean, it, it's it. What's the Not point? Worth it. 
What's the point? We keep drafting a bum anyway. What's the point in taking one? Run, run wildcat all the time, or just only maybe spend fifth round picks or later on a quarterback. We're, just, we're never going to invest in a guy ever. We're going to find one that works. Take a playbook from the you know, take a page from the playbook of the 49ers and draft Mister Irrelevant. Maybe that works out for us. Oh, Mitch, uh, you hate to see it. Uh, our MVP of the week, though. How about you go first? Or should we kind of have we kind of have the same one? Let's <laughs> talk about this. You say your go ahead. Go ahead and say yours first, though. Uh, my MVP of this NFL Week Three is not an NFL player. Uh, she was in an NFL stadium. She has taken over the NFL this week. Uh, that is Miss Taylor Swift. Uh, is is the MVP Joke. of this week? I mean, Mitch. First off, I've never had my wife talk to me more about the NFL than I ever had this week. I swear to you, she's bringing up Travis Kelsey. She's bringing up the Chiefs. She's she's telling me about all this stuff. I'm like, what is this? The NFL Instagram and and Twitter account changed their bio on Sunday to nine twenty four twenty three. Taylor was here, like. Like the, the NFL fully embraced the Taylor Swift thing. I, it, it got a little annoying. It was a little much. And I, I'm with a it. Little. I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan. But just an, incre- an, an incredible moment when you have Travis Kelsey, you know, reportedly dating Taylor Swift. She comes to Arrowhead for the game. She's shown in the press box. I mean, everything was Taylor Swift this week in the NFL. And uh, for that reason, I think she deserves MVP. No, down. You've got the wrong person for MVP. The MVP is Donna Kelsey. <laughs> Travis Kelsey's mom, who had to sit in the press box with that broad for the whole game. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I can't imagine a more annoying human being than Taylor Swift. I can't imagine one in my life. <laughs> and Donna Kelsey had to sin, sit directly next to her. Not only that, but also conversate with her. For three hours, they seemed of friendly. boring they football. Like they, it wasn't even like the football game was. It wasn't even like a football. The football was good. I mean, it was shitty yeah. football. They're blowing the Bears <laughs> out, true. and you got to sit there and listen to Taylor Swift talk for three hours. Hell no, Donna <laughs> Kelsey, MVP. Way to go, lady! You you survived a crappy football game sitting next to the most annoying person that I could possibly think of. Wow, that's an MVP okay. move. That's an MVP move in my book. All righty. Uh, give me sorry, a sorry, Taylor give Swift me, fans. Didn't you're gonna get upset a, you. You're gonna get our podcast canceled by Swifties, Mitch. Thank you. Uh, uh, percentage chance that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are actually dating, and that this is not just a hundred percent a publicity move. Give me a percentage. I mean, let me preface this. Let me preface this. I really don't care if they're dating or not. But doesn't for matter. This, I need an answer. I know. I'm giving you one. I'm giving you one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 58%. Okay. So more likely that this is real, that they actually are slightly dating. more likely. Okay. I'm going to give you a whopping 3%. I, oh, okay. I don't believe this at all. The Kelsey's well, I mean, think got about some the... docu-series coming out. Taylor Swift's got a movie coming out about her concert in theaters next week. I mean, it's like, come on. The PR teams are just, oh my God, they love this. This is I mean, incredible this is, stuff. This is a lot like the Tony Romo, Jessica Simpson thing. Yeah. I mean, no one actually believed it. And then it wasn't announced. True. And then they broke up true. like six months later. So like, you know, this will well, be, be a short lived thing. thing. It'll be, be the same thing. thing. It'll I be the same it. thing. Uh, Mitch, the big L of the week. Who who takes your big L this week? Oh, the Titans offense. I mean, yeah. pathetic. 
Yeah. I mean, pathetic. Ryan Tannehill, he's done. He's done. Oh, yeah. His, his, his career is done. As, as far as being a productive NFL player goes, Ryan Tannehill's career is done. And you got to credit the Cleveland Browns defense to an, to a actually large extent. Oh, they yeah. played exceptionally well. Um, but for them to shut down Derrick Henry 11 for 20, 1.8 yards a carry. That's an impressive feat. Now, I know that Derrick Henry has a lot of tread worn off the tires. Like, you know, he's he's been around a while and he's been a kind of a grinder for the last three or four years, which is about where an NFL running back should be um, as far as, you know, shelf life for a running back. But for them to put on this performance um, was impressive. But damn, the Titans offense, an offense that was prolific just a few years ago, has suddenly just dropped off a cliff and is not even close to anything impressive. Oh, yeah. We talked about this in our week one overreactions, Mitch, that I that it's time to throw in Willis or Levis and just see where it goes, because we, the future is clearly not Tannehill. It's clearly not no, Henry. Not. Uh, and there's no point in doing this. <laughs> there's no point in doing this. You're subjecting your fans to uh, probably a hate crime, uh, probably some sort of hate crime or some sort of uh, against the Geneva Convention, uh, whatever this is. It's not it's not good. So, uh, yeah, we need to move on from it. Uh, Mitch, <laughs> my big L. In fact, my I'm starting to get a shitty taste in my mouth from just talking about. Yeah, the it offense. feels gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my big L goes to Sam Howell, which is disappointing because he's been. You mentioned it earlier when you talked about the Bills. He's been really good this year and yes. exciting for this Washington team. Uh, I joked that he's uh, Kroger Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, great value Baker Mayfield. Uh, but he had a rough game against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen of twenty nine. Four 170 yards, four interceptions, sacked nine times. I mean, and I don't even want it. This isn't even just on him. Put it on the offensive line as well for that performance. But uh, you hate to see it, especially after what was a really good, fun start for him in this offense to to do that, to put up a, a stat line like that. No fun. Hate to see it for the kid. Hopefully they bounce back. But uh, you get the L this week. It was really bad. I mean, he, he was on his back more than a dollar store hooker. I mean, he was getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Long and it's tough. It's, uh, you know, it, growing pains, growing pains for a young NFL quarterback, growing pains for sure. the young NFL quarterback. You're going to have days like these. So takes your, take your lumps and bruises and move forward. Young man, you'll be yep. just fine. Dallin, that is going to wind up our NFL recap week three. Let's get in to our quick picks. And Dallin, another close week between us. I went 10 and six. You went nine and seven, only a one game difference so far on the year. I am 28, 20, 28 and 20. You are 27 and 21. I feel like we've been off to a slower start than we have in years past. I don't know why. I feel like we always kind of start off the year a little hot before we have some kind of mediocre weeks. Um, but, you know, we are, uh, we're, we're doing okay. We're hanging in yep. there. We're hanging in oh, there. Over 500 is good. Yeah. I mean, ideally no more nine and sevens, no more 10 and sixes. We'd love to see 12, 13, you know, but, but it's not easy to pick these games. You know, we got to we, we're doing our best here. We got to do what we can do. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with these results so far. But, yeah, I, I expect things. Maybe it, maybe this is the week that it picks up. Maybe it's next week, but uh, we'll, we'll get it going here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll get it going. 
We'll absolutely get it going. Dallin, are you ready to hop into this? I'm ready for it. All right, let's kick it off. Let's get, no pun intended, kick it off on Thursday Night Football. The Detroit Lions, they are headed over to Wisconsin to take on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Right now, Detroit favored minus one and a half. Green Bay road dogs, or home dogs, excuse me. Give me the boys on the road, though. I like the Lions, the fighting Dan Campbells to take this one (laughs) in Lambeau. Yeah, I knew you weren't taking the Packers in this one, Mitch. I will gladly take Green Bay, though. Jordan Love, impressive to start this season. Uh, Green Bay, pretty impressive to start this season. I like Green Bay getting it done on Thursday night. Should have Aaron Jones back. That's what they say. That'll be a huge help. Give me the Packers. Following that, Mitch, it's our first overseas game. We're headed to London. The Jacksonville Jaguars, as always, hosting. They've left the swamps of Jacksonville and joining them across the pond, the Atlanta Falcons. Jacksonville favored minus three in this game. But give me Atlanta to get the win over in the UK. ATL to the UK. I say W. Jacksonville looking for a rebound game after the embarrassing loss they had this last week to the Texans. I think they get it done in their second home. London might give me the Jags. I, I, I almost said at home, but technically they are at <laughs> home in London. Give me the Jags to win that one. Give me the cover too. Following that game, we have the Los Angeles Rams. They're headed over to the state of Indiana, the Hoosier state to take on the Indianapolis Colts right now. Colts favored. Minus one and a half. I'm going to take the Rams on the road, though. I think this Rams team stumbled a little bit. Yeah, look for them to get back on track against an Indianapolis team that's struggling a little bit. I like the Rams on the road. Yeah, Minshew looked good for the Colts last week. They got a big win over Baltimore. Will we see AR? Will we see Minshew? I don't think it matters, Mitch. I'm rolling with the Rams as well. Stafford, Pukanakua, they get a bounce back after a rough Monday night matchup with Cincinnati. They get it done on the road. Give me the Rams. Following that, an AFC North matchup. Baltimore and Cleveland. Ravens and Browns. We're in Cleveland, Mitch. The best city in Ohio. You know it. Cleveland is the reason, Mitch. The Browns favored minus two and a half in this game. Can Baltimore bounce back from the loss? Give me Lamar. Give me the Ravens on the road. You know, I, I I I have to go with the horny one here. I have to go with the Sean Watson and the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. He's horny for another win. I'm going to take the Browns at home over uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Give me the Brownies. Following that game, the Minnesota Vikings, they are leaving the state of Minnesota and headed over to the East Coast to take on your boys, the Carolina Panthers. Right now, Minnesota minus, favored minus three and a half. Carolina home dogs. I think that's fitting. Minnesota is going to right the ship at some point. Get off the schneid. I like Minnesota on the road. Yeah, you know, not the best start for my Carolina Panthers. 0-3 on the season. Minnesota also 0-3 on the season. One of these teams is walking away with their first win of the year. And why not the Carolina Panthers? Keep pounding, baby. Back at home, Andy Dalton gets it done against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Give me the Panthers, Mitch. Following that game, Joe Burrow, the Tiger King and the Bengals headed to 
Nashville to take on the Titans. Favored by only two and a half on the road. Surprising for how Tennessee has looked this season. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely taking the Bengals on the road in this one. Easy win for Cincinnati. Easy win. Easy cover. Give me the Bengals in Music City over the Titans. Love that pick. Following that game down, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're leaving the state of Florida to head down to the Big Easy to take on the Nolens Saints. Right now, the Saints favored minus three at home. And I think that's fitting. It's Jameis time in New Orleans. I think everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay because the guy that can throw 30 touchdowns, he might throw 30 picks, but he can throw 30 <laughs> touchdowns. Derek Carr hasn't been able to do that in his career. But I like the Saints at home to cover over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I like the Saints in this one as, as well. In an ugly game, you know, Tampa has been good but not great. Don't truly believe in Baker. Jameis is going to be very comfortable in this offense. A lot of weapons to throw to. Alvin Kamara back for this game. That's going to be huge for the Saints. Give me New Orleans at home, Mitch. Following that, probably game of the week. Are we good yeah. with that? I, oh, yeah, absolutely. Here. Yeah, absolutely. The Miami Dolphins, fresh off of a 70-point beatdown of the Broncos. They're heading up north to take on the Buffalo Bills. Bills favored minus two and a half in this AFC East matchup. Can Miami match the firepower from last week? Can Buffalo's defense step up big like they did against Washington? I'm going to go with Miami on the road. They're not putting up 70 this week, but they will put up points and do enough to beat this Buffalo Bills team. Give me the Dolphins. Very, very tight game. I think if this is December, I pick in the opposite direction. I go mm. Buffalo, but it's going to be September. So I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins to get this one done on the road. Give me the Finns. Following that game, garbage game of the week. Abs absolutely garbage game of the week. We gotta we gotta hear it real quick. This is just this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. Yeah, this is bad. This is a bad, bad game. The Denver Broncos, they are leaving mile high to head over to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. You know how down I am on the Bears, Dallin. You know how bad I think this team is. We can't go 0 and 17 though, Dallin. You gotta be crazy if you think I'm not taking my Bears. The ba the the Broncos don't bounce back from the 70 point beatdown. Give me the Bears at home, three and a half point dogs. I like the Bears in this one. The fact that people are subjected to this game is remarkable. Uh, but uh, equivalent to Pol Pot's war crimes, yes, it's yes. it's pretty bad. It's bad. Uh, I man, I'm both of. Picking either of these teams feels stupid, but I'm going to pick Denver in this one because you have to bounce back positively after hitting uh, what we hope to see as rock bottom for this Denver team. I guess TBD on that, but uh, I say they bounce back and get an ugly win on the road. Give me the Broncos and this one, Mitch. Following that, an NFC East matchup. The Commanders heading to Philly to take on the Eagles. Philly favored minus eight and a half in this game. And I will take the Eagles at home. Maybe a probably a better performance for, from Washington in this offense. You're probably not seeing four picks and nine sacks again, but it's not going to be a pretty game for Washington. Give me the Eagles. Yeah, I got the Eagles in this one as well. I mean, Jalen Hurts and that team is still they're, – they're a special, special team. I think this is uh, one of the, a, a top three most talented team in football. I like the Eagles over the commanders uh, at home. 
Following that game to round out the morning slate. Lots of games in the morning slate this this uh, week. Uh, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're leaving the Steel City to head down to Houston, the Lone Star State, to tech, uh, take on the Houston Texans. Impressive win by the Texans last week. Pittsburgh not looking too hot. Give me the Texans. Give me the Texans at home. The home dog Texans plus three to get the win over the Steelers. I'm rolling with you, Mitch. Give me Houston. CJ Stroud has looked really good to start his NFL career. Three games in, he's looking solid. The team's rallying. It's exciting stuff in Houston. I love it. So, yeah, I'm rolling with them as home at home as well. Let's jump over to the afternoon slate. We have an AFC West matchup. The Las Vegas Raiders headed to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers favored Minus five and a half in this one. Uh, I have no faith in Vegas. Absolute zero faith in Vegas. Give me the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers looking for a bounce. Chargers got they. The, Chargers. Chargers. There's, there's just not. I'm not picking the Raiders. I'm just not picking the Raiders anymore. I'm done picking the Raiders. I've picked them for so long. I'm done picking the Raiders. Give me the Chargers at home. Um, in that matchup. Following that game down, they have the Arizona Cardinals. They are going to be leaving the desert and head up to the city by the bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers. This Niners team, very good. Very good. Team to beat in the NFC, in my opinion. Um, exceptionally built. And they got a bad man under center. I want to Brock and roll all night and Purdy every day. Give me Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers to get it done over the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, largest line this week. San Francisco favored by 14. Two touchdown favorites for the Niners, and they probably cover, Mitch. Uh, I'm going with the Niners on this one. Uh, Yeah, Arizona, great win against Dallas, but uh, probably come back down to earth this week against a very, very tough uh, San Francisco 49ers squad. Final afternoon game. The New England Patriots headed to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of Dallas... Favored minus seven in this game. Chance for a bounce back, but not an easy task with Bill Belichick coming into town. I know this Patriots team isn't the most impressive, uh, but not easy nonetheless. That being said, I'm going with the Cowboys. Give me Dallas. Yep. Give me the Cowboys this one. This is uh, this is not a good New England team. I think that this is going to be uh, a good time for Bill Belichick to exit stage left at the end of the, at the, end of the season. That's kind of the direction they're headed. Give me the Cowboys at home. Following that game, Dallin, Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are leaving the Midwest to head over to the Big Apple to take on the New York Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Right now, KC minus, or favored minus nine and a half. Big home dogs are the Jets, and it's for a reason. Give me KC on the road to get it done in New York. Yeah, I'd be taking Kansas City if it was Aaron Rodgers, Joe Namath, or Zach Wilson uh, behind center for the Jets. The Jets are a talented team, don't get me wrong, but this Chiefs team is legit. And I think, uh, you know, that opening game of the season against the Lions, saw a little bit shakiness from the offense, but last week, I think, yes, it was the Bears. We found some good rhythm, found some mojo. I think it continues against New York, so give me Kansas City on Sunday night, and that leads into our Monday night football game in the Big Apple, Mitch. The New York Giants hosting all the way from the Northwest, the Seattle Seahawks making the journey across the country for Monday night. Giants favored minus one and a half at home in this one. 
but give me Geno Smith and the Seahawks to get her get her done on Monday night. Not a believer in this Giants team. I do believe that the Seahawks will be a playoff team in the NFC. Important opportunity here on Monday night. Give me the Seahawks. I'm going to take the G-Men at home. I do like the Seahawks team, but you know what? I, I there's, there's just something about playing in New York that the Giants – that's going to help the Giants get this one done. If they go play this game in Seattle, it's not happening. But they're playing it at home. Long travel distance for the Seattle Seahawks. Not a fan of that. Give me the G-Men. Okay. There you go. That's it for the uh, week four quick picks, my friend. We'll see. uh, You know, we had quite a few different picks here. So Maybe that bodes well for one of us to uh, kind of up the scores here, put in a put in a solid week. It's got to bode well for one of us with that many differences. So, <laughs> or we'll both end up like eight and eight again, and uh, we'll just yeah. be in the same spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. But Dallin, I think that's it for the podcast, isn't it? That is it, and we appreciate you guys. Joining us on this Tuesday evening again. If you uh, if you joined us live on YouTube at youtube.com slash the sports hour guys or on X, formerly Twitter at sports hour guys, we appreciate you joining, commenting. Uh, Shane, Michael, we appreciate your comments uh, that you shared with us throughout this uh, podcast. We appreciate we invite you guys to do like uh, like them and join us every Tuesday night here. Uh, if you do listen to the podcast though, we do appreciate you. Um, we value you. Thanks for listening in the future. Uh, we get it. We're not the we're not the prettiest guys to look at. So you know if you if you don't want to subject yourselves to that, we get it. Uh, but we would appreciate it either way. Yeah, absolutely. We you, you don't have to look at us, but if you don't want to look at this, you can also go listen to the podcast. So you know, <laughs> the show comes to multiple forms, people. Um, yeah, Dallin, you can go get this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. You can go get it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Look up the Sports Hour, guys, and you'll find us there. Um, go ahead and get get us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Tell us that we suck because that's the only way that we can get better, buddy. That is the only way that we could get better. Uh, and uh, we would like to do that. Listen, maybe we we haven't started the season 0-3, but I don't think we're 3-0. We got we got room to improve. Uh, yeah, know? I mean we're one and two. Yeah, yeah, maybe one two, two and one. Maybe, uh, maybe we two and one. Week, so yeah, we probably got to chalk up an L there. We're probably one yeah. and two, but that's yeah. why that's why we need to get better. It's what we're here for, folks. So that's uh, right. yeah. Well, any, we're any, getting a two and two. This is a great show, buddy. Great show. Oh yeah, uh, I definitely yeah. feel like this was a dub today. Let us yeah. know if it was a dub in the books for the boys today guys uh but uh we appreciate you joining as always looking forward to more football next week and the weeks after that so until next time we love you we appreciate you and we'll catch you next week so long everyone and a very pleasant good evening to you wherever you may be we'll literally see ya